This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. Hello, Katie. How are you? I'm doing quite well. How about yourself, Keith? I am good. The Tony Awards are this weekend. That's right. It feels like a lot of award shows for June. We just had the MTV Movie and TV Awards, Tony's, BET Awards come up right after that. It's a busy June. Yeah, I was looking at the the nominees for the Tony Awards Uh well, actually, let me do the preamble, and then I'll talk about it. Okay, that. okay, we'll get that, back to it. That's a great tease. Uh, because, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how Kate Bush gets her first top 10 hit ever on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart with Running Up That Hill, A Deal With God, following its prominent use in the latest season of Stranger Things, and how Def Leppard lands a fifth straight decade of top 10 albums on the Billboard 200 chart as the rock band's newest release, Diamond Star Halos, debuts at number 10 on the tally. Also on the show, we'll be talking all about how two-fifths of One Direction, well, the original lineup, I should say, have been in the headlines this past week between Harry's new hit album and Liam Payne's controversial new interview. We'll explain that in a second, but it also got us thinking about whether a 1D reunion might ever happen. Plus, we also are going to talk about what other bands we wish would get back together. So stick around for that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Okay, so before we get into the chart chat, mm-hmm. as I said earlier, the Tony Awards are this Sunday. Yes. I thought it was kind of interesting to note who were some of the nominees were that you may not realize were actually nominees this year. Mm. There's some interesting nominees uh, in the categories where the producer of a show is the nominee. Mm. Uh, So if you're nominated, say, for example, for Best Musical, Best Revival of a Musical, Best Play, or Best Revival of a Play... The producers win. The producers win, and we would have to obviously ask the Tonys or our awards editor, Paul Grine, exactly how this is determined, but it kind of looks like anyone who ponies up money to become an executive producer gets to get a Tony Award nomination because the list think, is very long. Well, I, not to, I, I don't know if you're going to mention this, but that's kind of how John Legend ended up with his EGOT is because he produced a Tony Award winning show. 
Well, here are some of the people that could, in theory, become Tony Award uh, winners this year. Uh, RuPaul oh. is a nominee mm-hmm. as a producer of A Strange Loop. Also uh, producers on A Strange Loop, Alan Cumming, mm-hmm. Jennifer Hudson, Mindy Kaling, Billy Porter. I mean, uh, the the list is... Well, you can't see it. I'm trying to show you on oh, the screen. Oh, there it is. Yes. <laughs> it's the really long one yeah. there with like five billion yeah. names. Also, um, uh, MJ and the Musical is a nominee for Best Musical this year. And among the nominees as producers of that show are um, basically anyone that we've probably ever seen name checked in a story about the Michael Jackson estate. Mm. By the way, the estate of Michael Jackson is a nominee for a producer at, on MJ the Musical. And actually, um, Paul had just told me, our awards editor, that two of uh, Michael Jackson's children are going to be presenters at the Tony Awards as well. Although I wonder if that's kind of a hat tip to them, thinking that maybe it has a chance of winning something. Well, it's nominated. Yeah. Well, anyway, there's your tangent about the Tony Awards. Tune in on this Sunday on CBS <laughs> on Sunday, uh, June June. 13th, I believe. Let's not get crazy. I don't know what 12th. day that is. The 12th? I think it's the 12th. It's Sunday. Yeah. It's this Sunday. Um, all right. Well, let's do the chart chat. First up, a nearly 40-year-old song returns to Billboard's charts as Kate Bush's 1985 single, Running Up That Hill, parenthetical, A Deal With God, re-enters the Billboard Hot 100 at number eight. It's Kate Bush's first top 10 hit. The track had previously been her only top 40 charting single in the United States on the Hot 100 when it peaked at number 30 in 1985. And that all changed this past week following the song's repeated usage in the new season of Stranger Things, which premiered on Netflix on May 27th. Clearly, fans of the show were moved by the song, and in turn, music consumers turned to streaming services in droves to listen to the track. The song garnered 17.5 million streams in the U.S. and sold a little over 18,000 downloads, all in the week ending June 2nd, and both were up from nominal sums in the week previous. You know what this has me thinking about? It's like, I, I can't think of the last time a television show had such a chokehold on like pop culture that enough people, you know, experience a song like this for the first time. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like what if streaming were a thing back in like the nineties when, uh, Josh Groban is performing on Ally McBeal. You know what I mean? Like there's stuff like that, that millions of people were watching, but we had no way of tracking their true popularity other than sales. Like you didn't have this curiosity listen that people could do. Right. right? So, um, do you have another example though, of a TV song in the streaming area era? Because this one seems really unique to me. No. Well, I mean, I, I don't off the top of my head, trust me. Like when, when I saw that this was happening and I saw kind of the concentrated reaction that it was having, I had a hard time thinking of something that would was as similar. Yeah, because um, we I mean, we can we can note uh, like movie soundtracks like Encanto, for instance, you know, everybody once it hit um, Disney Plus at Christmas. That's when everyone right. started taking to Spotify to listen to it. Um, and that obviously it spawned a number one hit on the Hot 100. But this feels wholly different than that. This it's, is th- 
Yeah, this is it's exactly what you're saying. It's 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 different in the sense where it was something that everyone at the same time. Yeah, because you don't have to watch Stranger Things right when it comes out. But clearly people did. Clearly people did because people have been waiting a few years for the fourth season to come out. And it was one of those things where everyone absorbed the song effectively at the same time over the course of a few days in that opening weekend. And then the only thing I can think of that is sort of close to it, but not in the streaming era. And I'm sure there are many other examples that people will be very quick to suggest in in the history of television having an influence on people. Oh, sure. But I thought of, oh, remember when Don't Stop Believin' was used in the Sopranos yeah, finale? That's and a, I knew everyone, you were going to say that. Right. But had streaming existed then, oh, my God, yep. would it have been a sort of different scenario? Yep. Um, and the Encanto situation is similar but not the same because, yes, it hit um, it, the, the film Encanto hit streaming, it hit Disney Plus I want to say on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. So, yeah, most of it was concentrated in that week, but it all wasn't it didn't it wasn't all one singular day. But as we saw with We Don't Talk About Bruno, it built in the weeks following. So in theory, running up that hill could actually grow in popularity in the next week or two. Yeah, I I think it absolutely could, because I think that there's also going to be this effect of people learning that the Stranger Things series came out who maybe had, didn't know that yet because right. of the press from this song doing so well. And they're going right. to have that flip-flop and then they'll experience it. So yeah, I think it'll pro- it's a, there's a chance it could go higher, which is also crazy. And, and the, song, the song is all over um, key playlists on the streaming services. Like I noticed it was on like today's top hits on Apple so uh, the other day. <laughs> and um, apparently... Uh, it is being reserviced to U.S. radio stations as well, which I know is is less of an impact sometimes in streaming services. But the fact that this song is kind of being properly worked kind of makes you pause and think, well, maybe it's more than just a one week phenomenon. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's fascinating. Um, this is why we like the charts, people. Well, a little backstory. The song was originally released on Bush's 1985 album Hounds of Love which also re-enters the Billboard 200 chart this week at a new peak at number 28, which bests its number 30 peak in 1985. Hounds of Love also debuts at number one on the Top Alternative Albums chart, a chart that didn't actually start until 2007, well past when Hounds of Love actually originally came out. But here's the kicker. This is... Kate Bush's first number one on any Billboard albums wow. chart. Wow! Wow! She's one of those artists that her her legacy and her 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 fervent following and her critical kudos never completely translated to in, like huge commercial the success in America. Success, yeah, like mainstream ma- mainstream pop success, as in evidenced by this being her first you know top ten in the Hot 100, first number one. Yeah, it, yes. Right. One last thing about running up that hill: the track is the third most popular song in the world. As it debuted at number three on the Billboard Global 200 chart. Wow. So, and uh, if you didn't already see, Kate shared a message on her website just saying how exciting all of this reaction was. I don't think she's I think big she on... was reacting to the UK success, wasn't she? She did. She specifically said that it was number eight on the UK uh, 
chart as well, which is kind of funny. Um, uh, but yes, she's I think just the reaction in general that she's gotten. And, and from what I've heard, she is a Stranger Things fan and personally uh, okayed the use of this song. So good move. <laughs> wow. Well, um, next up, staying with the Billboard Hot 100, Harry Styles is as it was, notches a fifth non-consecutive week at number one. While uh, there are a number of other debuts on the charts, um, one I wanted to draw attention to was the song that we talked about at length last week, Potion from Calvin Harris, Dua Lipa, and Young Thug, which we have suggested and floated that could yeah, that it could be the song of the summer or a contender for song of the summer. It debuts at number 71 on the chart. Speaking this week. of song of the summer, our song of the summer chart also returns this week. And so, as Keith has mentioned before, it is basically just the Hot 100. <laughs> so, as so it mean, was. Kate Bush is already a contender for song go. of the summer. Hot Kate Bush summer coming your way. <laughs> Hot Kate Bush summer. <laughs> Looking for that Megan Thee Stallion collab. Right, enough. right. Uh, lastly, on the Billboard 200 albums chart, uh, Styles' Harry, Harry's House holds at number one for a second week, becoming the first album of 2022 to spend its first two chart weeks at number one. It also stops a rotating door of number ones where the charts saw 11 straight weeks of turnover at the top. Also in the top 10, rock band Def Leppard collects its eighth top 10 charting effort as Diamond Star Halos debuts at number 10. The group becomes one of a relative few acts with new top 10 albums in the 1980s, 1990s, 2000s, 2010s and now 2020s. They stand alongside such names as ACDC, Paul McCartney, James Taylor, Bruce Springsteen, and Metallica, among others. Well, um, uh, you know, we already mentioned Harry on this podcast. Between his new blockbuster album and Liam Payne's jaw-dropping new interview, there have been a lot of headlines lately that have us thinking about One Direction. Um, Of course, we've been talking a lot in the pop shop about Harry Styles' new album, Harry's House, which, as Keith said, spends another week at number one on the Billboard 200. Um, And then last week, Keith, have you you heard about uh, Liam Payne's new interview? (laughs) <laughs> okay, I I heard I haven't listened to it or watched it. Okay. Um, apparently, Logan Paul noted provocateur, and somehow he's a celebrity host of um, the podcast Impulsive. Like you know, get it impulsive, impulsive. <laughs> somehow this this Joker has a very significant following, and yeah. somehow he got Liam Payne to be on his show. Yeah, because, that's what, sure. Like you know, we're talking about this controversial interview. Uh, Liam, come on the podcast over here. Come to the Pop Shop, and we'll have a nice chat about music. He has been on the podcast before. I know. He's been on our show before. I haven't Um, spoken with him. I think Jason did, but I. Jason did, but yes, but I I have heard about this thing existing. Why Liam Payne went on the Logan Paul show is beyond me. (laughs) And I mean, he always, his whole thing has been being a social celebrity, so he has, has a massive following that continues to follow him to this day. I did have something actually legitimate to say. Okay. I was going to say. I have. I did hear that this this thing existed because I saw it trending on social media, mm-hmm. and I thought for sure that it was kind of a joke. That maybe what he said was being taken out of context, and oh, he didn't really say these things. And no, as it turned out, he did say these things. And I'm like, really, of all places, you're going to say this on Logan Paul's I know. podcast? Uh, right. You know, I think it's one of those things where when you're in a conversation with somebody who 
is like you feel like you're palling around with him and he's like on that vibe and you and like Liam jumped on the vibe with him and he shouldn't have probably. But let me let me give you some like direct quotes that Liam said here. Um, he spoke a lot about his One Direction days and about his bandmates at the time. Um, including saying that there are, quote, many reasons why he does not like Zayn Malik, who left the group in March 2015, of course. Many Um, reasons. Many reasons. Liam says in the interview, quote, you can always look at the man for where he is and say, oh, yeah, whatever. That guy's a dick. Right. But at the end of the day, once you understand what he's been through to get to that point, And then he kind of trails off. And then he says, I don't agree with any of his actions. I can't commend some of the things that he's done. I can't be on his side for that. So just to give you some background, there's a lot of cryptic things that he's talking around. One is that uh, Zane actually was in like a fight with Logan Paul's brother, Jake Paul. And so that's why Logan was bringing it up. And that's why he was very much like this a-hole, whatever. And the other thing is that Zayn um, uh, was in the headlines last year for an altercation with Gigi Hadid's mom, Yolanda Hadid, uh, where it was said that they had a physical moment and Gigi and Zayn have since broken up. And um, that's an ugly situation, too. So that's he's speaking very cryptically, but saying, I don't like his actions. I don't commend his actions, etc. He's since apologized for what he said about Zayn tweeting, guys, I wouldn't normally comment on this stuff, but when it's your family, it's hard to let it slide. They mentioned a specific incident involving Zayn, which I responded to. But listening back, maybe I didn't articulate myself as well as I could have. He also hey, spoke you know about what? a lot of other things. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, Liam? You could have solved this problem by just never have gone and having gone on Logan Paul's podcast. That's fair, too. <laughs> OK, so just looking at the wider picture now, seeing Harry Styles become arguably the biggest current pop star at this very moment and then hearing Liam kind of air some dirty laundry from the boy band days, we were wondering, like, is there a chance that one day One Direction could ever reunite, would ever reunite? What would that look like? Or are all of these things, Harry's, you know, massive success, Liam putting his foot in his mouth, things that will potentially harm a future reunion? What do you think, Keith? <laughs> Go. Um, <laughs> um, is it is it is it sort of established that all the the four members who are not Zane are actually friendly in real life? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that they've all had various things they've said in interviews that m- talked about, you know, some strained times as bandmates, but I think that they are on decent terms. And to be fair, um, and every One Direction fan will tell you this, they didn't actually ever break up. The foursome is technically just on hiatus at this point. Zane obviously not involved in that equation. But the right. foursome, you know, we're like when I'm writing about Harry Styles, I'm, I'm not supposed to call him the former One Direction singer. He is the One Direction singer, apparently. Sure. Paul McCartney's <laughs> still in the Beatles. Right. Too. No, they um, did break up. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did break up. Um, well, if if I think it I think it really depends on if the four the four of them that are still in the group that are not named Zane um, still get along. That's the key. Um, and if they actually need the money 
because you know a lot of this if 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 they're friends that's already you've already got part of it out the door out of, out of the way yeah secondly if your so- solo career is doing well and you don't need the money yeah then you're probably not going to do it unless it's like a unique situation where you come back for a one-off charity event a, a very special appearance at an award show or at the super bowl or whatever well and speaking of the super bowl i actually made a note about beyonce and destiny's child uh I don't know if a lot of fans remember this who didn't live through it, but Beyonce put out her solo album, Dangerously in Love, in 2003. And then there was actually a Destiny's Child album that came out after that in 2004 called Destiny Fulfilled. That was a very quick thing. It Contract probably, fulfilled. I was going to say, it probably satisfied a contractual obligation. But um, I think there is a space where you can be a Beyonce level pop star and also return to your group, albeit briefly, and then go back do, to doing your own thing as well, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to, if you want to, if you you have time to. to. Harry Styles doesn't need to do anything. He's playing like 25,000 nights at Madison Square Garden on his own. This feels like a down the road, quite a ways sort of prospect. Is there a world where just Niall, Louie and Liam reunite? Kind of like how, um, you know, the four non Justin Timberlake members of NSYNC joined Ariana Grande at Coachella. I mean, <laughs> that's sort of like that, but not really, because uh, no, no. at least JC did a lot of vocals on it. That's, I mean, at least well, at least One Direction all shared vocals. Well, OK. Another funny side note is that Lizzo had a TikTok, um, I think it was over the weekend, where she <laughs> said something to the effect of, I don't know who lied to that boy, but he wasn't the front man, referencing Liam Payne because he was. Did Liam say he was the front man of One he Direction? He talked about the formation of the group and basically how he had he had actually auditioned for the X Factor the year prior and that he had like met with Simon Cowell and Simon Cowell was very much like come back, audition again, like we want to like make this happen for you. And he kind of claimed that One Direction was formed around him by Simon. That, like, Liam was the centerpiece. Of course, who knows if Simon told each of the lads that, you know, to yeah, get them on board. You know it's what like, I mean? Like, you're inc- you're incredibly talented and handsome. We're going to form this group we around you. We need you, specifically. And the other, yes. you know, four will be window dressing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> but to your point, I feel like in One Direction, they actually did share lead vocals a lot more than some boy bands. Um, they actually oh, they all had did, yeah. all had vocal showcases as as evidenced by um, all of their solo work. Like they all have great voices. These are these are all men that can carry, you know, their own albums, etc. So it's not, you know, the, if they were to go out, the three of them, it, I think it would sound pretty decent. <laughs> They'd be missing two two fifths of their original iteration. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's the, the the British pop uh, boy band Take That mm. had five members and they're currently down to three. And they're yeah. still an active touring entity putting out new music as well. And. Robbie and it's did. Successful too. Robbie Williams did join them for one of those iterations, though, right? Yeah. Like a so reunion Robbie Williams was the one who left initially. Left. He was the Zane. Piece. Yeah. Yeah, he was the Zane. Yes. And they continued on as a four piece for a long time, and then there was a much ballyhooed reunion with Robbie that was a stadium tour in in Europe and the UK. He got his own set in the middle of the show and did a bunch of solo hits, and then. 
take that as a four piece, did their own bit at the beginning. And then they all all five of them did this big thing for like the second half of the show. That was just nothing but classic. Take that plus new material from their brand new album as the five piece. And then since then, Robbie went back and did his own solo stuff again and hasn't come back. Okay, before we get to our next thing, a slight tangent just to say that I was at a bar in Mexico on Saturday night and somebody played Robbie Williams was they there. played rock DJ in its entirety. Like it started playing. And I was like, oh, cool interlude. And then they played all of rock DJ and I was thrilled. But I think in my research for my interview when pop shop interview with Robbie, I feel like he's like really massive in Mexico for some reason. I remember like reading sure. that. So anyway, um, I'm glad. Thank, Thank you. Mexico. Thank you to Mexico. Um, OK, so now that we've said all of this, Keith and I thought we would list off some acts that we are hoping someday, maybe in some way, shape or form could come back together. We've already mentioned this group. I just have to kick us right off with NSYNC being the top of my list. I have to say when four members joined um, Ariana at Coachella, uh, there was some talk about whether there could be a tour possibility of that foursome. I'm there. I'll go see that. I would go see that. And as you mentioned, JC was really like the co-frontman of NSYNC. So there are a lot of vocal parts that I don't know exactly how they're going to handle them. I don't know if JC's just going to do all of Justin's parts or... I don't I don't know what that looks like. I guess maybe Chris with his high voice could pop in a little bit and do some Justin. <laughs> the, the more the more that you try to talk it out, the more that it just starts to sound kind of improbable. But I'm still going to go. I'll be there if they do it. And I feel like they would actually have like a I think they could pull something pretty big off even without Justin. Okay. I guess the question is whether Justin would ever join at some point. And he just sold off his solo catalog. That's the biggest headliner on him from the last week. He sold his solo catalog of hits. Maybe he needs money, Keith. <laughs> Maybe. If, if, if uh, we, we, we now live in a world where you can have a Vegas residency, you can play 10 nights at Madison Square Garden, you can do six stadium shows and mm -hmm. sort of call it a day. And like, if you name the right price, maybe you'll get Justin Timberlake to commit to doing an in-sync reunion. Still feel like it's going to have to be like five or 10 years from now. But Keith, let's go to your uh, your top pick, please. OK, so I I actually came up with more than three. Oh. So I will combine my first three into one. OK, <laughs> I will. And it's a trio of girl groups. OK, Destiny's Child, which has reunited for a series of brief performances in 2013 at the Super Bowl, 2015 at the Stellar Awards, and 2018 at Coachella. Their last album was Destiny Fulfilled in 2004. They haven't done a tour or anything in a, in a very long time. Could they reunite? Yes. They're actually all friends. They all get right. along. Do they need to? Well, probably not. But... You kind of feel like, I don't know, maybe there would be a very compelling narrative for them to explore as a three piece on a new conceptual album. I think that could be really interesting. And maybe Beyonce might find it kind of a cool thing to do. Uh, yeah, it, it really all depends on if on like her. if Beyonce gets inspired to do something like that and like they can go. Like you said, these three are best friends still. I mean, they we see them together at like right. baby showers, weddings, like life events. These people are still real life best friends. Right. Um, I also uh, one of my personal faves, Girls Aloud. It's a British girl group. Um, it's a five piece group that started in 2002. Um, they had more than 20 top 10 singles on the official UK singles chart. And uh, they basically went on hiatus in like 2009 
reunited for a brief tour in 2013 and then split up after the tour concluded. Um, we've actually had one of the five girls allowed on the podcast, Nadine Coyle. She's oh, I was not. Guest. That must have been Jason days. I don't remember. I, you well, may have been on maternity leave. Fair enough. Um, well, a full reunion uh, will be off the table for now as group member Sarah Harding actually died in 2021 of cancer. But the other four members of the group have talked, or at least portions of the other four members have talked about doing some sort of um, fundraising event to raise money for charity in Harding's memory. We don't know what that could turn into, but we shall see. And then my last of the three uh, is Spice Girls. Now, the Spice Girls have reunited twice previously um, for the return of the Spice Girls tour in uh, 2007. There's also um, a Greatest Hits album that came out, and that was with all five of the Spice Girls. And then four out of the five reunited again for a stadium tour in 2019. Victoria Beckham sat that one out, and she's basically said like she's not really part of the music portion of the Spice Girls anymore. Um, but no, hey, never say never. Um, could we see... Uh, the Spice Girls, either four out of the five or all five, more more than likely four out of the five, reunite again for another stadium tour that maybe leaves the UK and Ireland in the next year or two. My guess is probably yes, it could happen. Um, I think COVID probably threw a wrench into yeah. a lot of things and possible plans they had. So those are my three girl groups. That's my technically first option. Uh, you first. do have to, you left one part out. Mel C was on the podcast and, and Keith pitched her an idea of like oh, right. a girl power album that could right. be like the Spice Girls were involved, but there was a bunch of other like female acts covering Spice Girls songs. And it was a great idea. I, I think it's a great idea and I'm not even asking for a cut of the money. And I think she liked it too. And of course she was on the show and graciously she's, said that she's she very nice. <laughs> she's very nice about it. Um, okay. This is my next pick. And actually I would call this my co number one pick. Uh, my absolute everything favorite band in middle school, high school was Oasis. And uh, these two brothers, Liam and Noel Gallagher, they truly despise each other and they are openly mean and hostile to one another on Twitter at all times. This feels very unlikely. I'm still holding my breath for some reason. Uh, I have to say, though, when um, the tragic bombing happened outside the Manchester Arena uh, following a Ariana Grande concert, they did this massive show that Ariana spearheaded um, back in Manchester. And uh, that's the hometown of the Gallagher brothers. They are from Manchester and actually like the the kind of uh, unofficial theme song of um, all the you know healing efforts after the bombing was Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis. A crowd broke out singing that song in this really emotional viral video. And one of them, I, I think it was Liam. Yeah, Liam performed at that concert. And he, I think, kind of put it out there like for Noel to join him. And Noel didn't. And Noel wasn't involved. And I thought if they can't put their shit behind them for this moment in their hometown. Like, I don't know that I'm ever going to see them perform together again. You know? Yeah, probably not. So this is me just putting it in the continuing to put it in the universe. Saw them a million times when they were together. So like, I, I should feel lucky that I saw them in their heyday, but I would still pay a lot to go see them again. So there's that. All right. Um, well, I have another one. Uh, Scissor Sisters. Oh, fun. We've actually had 
one of the members of the Scissor Sisters on as a guest of the podcast, uh, frontman Jake Shears. Uh, so the Scissor Sisters, uh, not a British group, but actually had most of their success in the UK. Uh, they went on hiatus in 2012 after their last album, Magic Hour, and the surprise success of the song Let's Have a Kiki, mm. which hit number one on Billboard's Dance Club Songs chart and became a viral hit and was even covered on Glee. So, yep. you know, you really made it if Glee was covering you. Was it so, Sarah Jessica Parker on that episode? Yeah, it was it was a it was a mashup of let's have a kiki turkey lurkey and turkey time. lurkey time. Oh my god! And Sarah Jessica Parker saying let's have a kiki. Yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, so <laughs> the group hasn't actually officially broken up. They've just focused on individual projects. And um, Jake Shears, who we mentioned a second ago, released his solo debut album in 2018. Could they reunite? seems quite likely at some point they eventually will they've never ruled it out and uh it just seems like they all wanted to do something different for a while and though i mean it has been 10 years at this point so you know it'd be a nice that's a nice round number you know yeah time and any come on way to choose one that's totally realistic keith i really appreciate yeah. that like that will happen sure. <laughs> all the I'm members at- are still alive they never said they broke up they all get along apparently come on um. I'm going to make you do your last one um, first because I actually considered putting this as my third choice, too. So I think you should go for that one. And then I'll do my last. My my third, technically fifth uh, (laughs) suggestion is Daft Punk. Yeah. The electronic dance pop duo announced their split in 2021. But it seems like we had gone longer without them because they hadn't toured since 2007 and their last public performances were kind of scattershot, effectively, at the Grammy Awards a handful of times. Their last public performance was at the Grammys in 2017, performing with The Weeknd. And their last proper show was in December of 2007, at the end of their Alive 2007 tour. All this is kind of ironic, because their most commercially successful album was in 2013, when Random Access Memories came out, debuted at number one on the Billboard 200, their only number one album. It had a hit in Get Lucky, which went to number two on the Hot 100, their biggest pop hit ever. But that album was never supported with any proper live shows or a tour. So will they reunite? Maybe. Maybe the split was just an elaborate stunt. I don't uh, know. The announcement came with such like lack of fanfare. You know, it wasn't like they were announcing a farewell tour, a farewell album. It was literally just like later. And so Bye. that I mean, that to me, that kind of shows that they were done. And so I do wonder whether they they will come back together. Of course, to be fair, they chose the greatest stage outfits of all time to literally perform until the day they die and look exactly the same on stage. <laughs> so yeah, we, there's that. No, yeah, the, I mean the 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 thing is like we have not seen what Daft Punk really looks like since the start of their career, really, right. because right. they've been in masks like robot masks and outfits the entire time and you could not pick them out of a crowd if you were forced to most people could not um so i also think well god they could always send their robot doppelgangers out on tour uh taking a page from abba's uh, mm. current london stage show Just which premiered. is based, which which is based around four what they call avatars like avatar but avatars like digital recreations of them in their prime so i'm like i mean 
in theory, you could, but I don't know. We'll see. All right. And my final one, here's the thing. A lot of time, a lot of when I was looking back at people I would like to reunite, a lot of times, unfortunately, uh, a member, a very crucial member passing away kind of prevents that from happening. Um, And that's true for a lot of like really massive classic rock acts. Um, But like, for instance, my dad loved the Allman Brothers. Like, I would love to see like all the Allman Brothers. It's not possible. I'm not going to see that. So anyway, um, I suggested that half of the Beatles are the half of the Beatles that are still alive could go on a proper tour together. Paul's currently on his own solo tour. I've been lucky enough to actually see Paul and Ringo perform together twice somehow. The only two times they've performed together in the last like 12 years I was randomly, not randomly, I was at it for work, but I was at both of those things. And so I want to see a tour. Everyone should have that. I mean, it's like an out-of-body experience to see, like, the Beatles performing together. You know what I mean? I know we'll never really get that without George and John, but it's it's the best we can get. I don't think that'll ever happen. Because neither of them needs to do it. That, and I think that they've probably, I mean, neither of them needs to do it. I mean, Paul literally played SoFi Stadium like a week and a half ago, right? Two weeks I ago. I also think that they, that they, the two of them actually might think that there's something wrong about mm. calling themselves the Beatles. Oh, they could, it couldn't be like the Beatles tour. Like, that's why I, I specifically wrote uh, in my notes, it's a Paul and Ringo tour. I guess that's not really a reunion then. Exactly. <laughs> Oh. Is, it, is it is it is it Paul and Ringo with like Danny Harrison, George Harrison's? Yeah, which uh, is actually son. what I got to see. What, well, I mean, not unlike going to see the Eagles and seeing Deacon Fry play in place of Glenn Fry, which I did get to see. Um, I having the, one having one son or child step in is one thing. Having two, yeah, step too far. I think you would. Do, I think you'd put a whole band together like. Um, you know, Joe Walsh has played with both Paul and Ringo before. Like, I feel like you could put a, like an all star band together. You that- mean like Ringo's all star band? <laughs> I literally just said all star band. That thing already exists. <laughs> Ringo's like, yeah, I'm doing that. <laughs> Got that covered, Katie. Thanks and he also idea. is actually touring right now as well. <laughs> or right, maybe just one, one, one off show. I always want something. I've I, I've Maybe. been lucky enough to see something that not everyone has, and I think it would be a cool you know experience to provide for fans. Yeah, I think the things that you're name checking is when they appeared together on the Grammy Awards one year, and then they well, appeared on the subsequent Beatles. Um, it was the CBS Beatles special. Ed Sullivan special. I got to be at the taping for that, and then um, when Paul played Dodger Stadium, uh, it was when I was pregnant with Calvin, so like five oh, years right. ago. Um, Ringo played drums with him on an encore. I mean, that's pretty cool. And that's I know. probably as good as we're going to get. That's as close as I'm going to get. Well, sorry to everybody else who wasn't at those two things, you know? <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Well, we're going to move on now. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's time for the chart stat of the week. Hey. Um, so, inspired by Def Leppard's return to the top 10 on the Billboard 200 this week, Katie. Mm hmm. It's quiz Katie. It's just, oh, it's, it's oh man. Katie. Oh man. Which one or more of these following bands who have all found great success on the Billboard 200 chart have actually never had a number one album on the chart? Hmm. So 
Here are your options. Kiss, The Offspring, Rush, and The Who. Which one or more of those bands have never had a number one album on the Billboard 200 chart? one or more. Mean. Um, I'm going to say Rush is my first guess. You are correct. Oh, man. Okay, I got one of them. Um, I might have guessed that there's two of these that aren't. How, how many are we talking about? Three, two, all I'm of them? I'm not going to tell you. You have to just guess. <laughs> just keep going. Um, I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with Kiss next. Wrong. You are correct. Oh, I never correct. had a number one. Did, is this a is this a minefield? Is this a trick? Are all four? Did all four of them never have a number one? All four have never that had a number so one mean, album. That is so mean, Keith. Well, at I least mean, I couldn't though. be wrong. <laughs> so Kiss has had nine top ten albums on the Billboard 200, with one of them going to number two. The Offspring had six top tens. One of those went to number two. Rush had twelve top ten albums. Two of them went to number two, and The Who had 11 top 10 albums, with three of them peaking at number two. Um, All legendary, iconic, veteran, successful, beloved bands who have somehow yet to have a number one album on the Billboard 200 chart. Do you know off the top of your head whether, like, the, um, The Who, those, like, number two peaking albums, were they, like in their prime, like Quadrophenia or something, or like, was it like m- more recent? Uh, two, two of the, so the who had three, three number twos, two of them were back in their heyday. Okay. And then one of them was their most recent album. That was only number two because it was attached to a concert ticket album sale, redemption tour offer thingamabob. I would love to know what albums the like classic albums were behind, you know, like what they were kept at number two by. But anyway, that's I didn't, another I didn't research podcast. that before this, but I'll tell you next week on the show. <laughs> so, so we all have something to listen to, to listen to and look good. forward to. Um, all right. We've reached the end of our extended uh, show. Um, any parting words, Katie? Well, it feels like we should go out on Don't Look Back in Anger. It's like a nice ending song for the show. I agree, and we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.